You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week. We hope we are hurtling through this NFL season week 14 coming up. And I was going to say, let's begin where we always do with quarterbacks. But in honor of the other football going on right now, the World Cup, uh, I know Alex has a pretty keen eye on the World Cup. I tend to watch a little bit, a little bit more when Italy's playing. But, you know, I'm still interested. Some big stars out there, obviously still in the tournament. Alex, what, what are your impressions of this World Cup so far? Uh, surprises? Not so much surprises. What do you like? Well, I guess the biggest surprise before yesterday was Germany not advancing out of the group, not making it in the knockout stage. I mean, that was a little bit high since Germany wasn't able to make it out of the, you know, the group stage in 2018 when it was held in Russia. I figured they were going to be a hungry bunch. They were going to be one of the favorites. But yesterday, obviously Spain was just being Spain again because in the first game in the group stage they beat Costa I think seven to nothing and then it just went downhill and Spain just didn't look like the same team moving forward certainly and no one expected Spain to lose to Morocco uh, and not make it into the quarterfinals I know you were disappointed well it's just that you know they let it get to penalty kicks and then it's like all bets are off right I mean they again it's just they it, <laughs> For years and years and years, as long as I've been watching, they always dominate the possession, right? I mean, very skilled players at every position. Guys, you know, they they take care of the ball. I mean, if you start paralleling this to, to, to an NFL team, you know, like they run the ball, they play good defense, and my God, they have a hard time scoring at times. And yesterday was one of those games, and... um yeah, and they just, again, you let it get the penalties, and then it's just, you know, who's goalkeeper? Then they couldn't put one in, in in penalties, you know? I mean, I don't think they made a single one. So, yeah. That, yeah, it was three to yeah, nothing. That was, that yeah, was, it was three that to was nothing, disappointing. Which really... So, you know, shout out to Morocco's goalie and their defense and, you know, kind of being able to just grind it out for 90 minutes and then extra time, and then, okay, here we go. Um, so... And then you look at Brazil. And, and and again, I mean, for anybody that's followed, you know, football internationally and, and, and soccer, whatever, uh, yeah, this is just one of those teams, you know? I mean, they, they're just so talented, so good with the ball. I mean, you know, the USA would kill to have one of those guys playing playing in front, right, that could just, you know, make, make create a shot creator, somebody that can create their own shot, finish, and they, it's just and, – and, and it seems like Brazil's got like 20 of them, right? But, you know, it's one of those teams, I think, that if you can kind of get physical with them, knock them off their, their spots a little bit, then all of a sudden, you know, it becomes a little tougher for them. Or if you if the game stays really close or tied late in games, you start to see them, you know, maybe fold, fold up a little bit or maybe they're just not strong enough mentally 
penalty to make those sensational plays when you really have to have them. But, you know, like the Warriors, you know, in basketball, you know, the, the avalanche comes and they start scoring goals and it's crazy. And then you have the case of Portugal. Um, you know, they lit it up yesterday and just just the, the curious how they're handling the, this whole Ronaldo thing. Uh, I don't think he played in the first half. You know, he's coming on as a substitute and, you know, it's they're trying. I mean, in a sick five nothing game at the time or five to one, whatever it was, they're trying like hell to get him that one more goal in the World Cup. And it's just an odd dynamic. I I don't know. I mean, do you you have any idea what the idea is there? Is he just not fit enough to play full games or is there some sort of tension with the coach? What's going on with Ronaldo? Well, there seems to be a tension with the current head coach, and he, the current head coach has been there for a while. And um, not this game, but previous game, when he took Ronaldo off, Ronaldo wasn't happy about it because he thought it was too soon. He, he removed them from the game, subbed him. Um, and uh, the head coach kind of found out about Ronaldo's emotion he showed that to the camera and to everybody at the stadium. The coach wasn't, you know, oblivious to it. Somebody brought it in the interview, and that's when they talked to Ronaldo and decided to bench him. Basically, it was a disciplinary action. And the guy who replaced, which is probably the weirdest thing ever, is the guy who scored three goals. He had a hat trick in the game. So right now, I'm figuring in the quarterfinal match, there's no way you can start Ronaldo because everything's working so well. So he's probably going to begin. He's not going to be too happy about it, especially with everything that has gone on with him this year because Manchester United has basically gotten rid of him. Now he's going to sign somewhere else in Saudi Arabia or something like that. He's going to get you know his, his money there, but nobody's going to want him. This isn't England. This isn't Spain. This isn't France. So this is like the last hurrah for Ronaldo. Everybody knows about it. And he's not at the forefront of, you know, Portugal's biggest win on on this big stage at the World Cup and stuff like that. And Portugal looked better without him because they looked That wasn't just force-feeding their star. That's what Argentina usually always does. They force-feed Messi. Uh, Portugal does the same thing with Ronaldo. I would say move forward without Ronaldo because the team looked like a team. looked like a cohesive So that that's going to be an interesting situation, you know, keeping it on. But I would say Brazil is the favorite right now based on the way they've played. And I would say in the final, I've got Brazil against France. France obviously won the tournament in 2018. So that's my matchup there I, I that that's what I foresee but there are a lot of exciting teams left in this tournament the big boys besides Morocco I mean the other seven teams left in the quarterfinal they are before the tournament started probably were considered the favorites so there were not too many surprises except for Spain all well, right Morocco uh obviously they're the they're the longest shot right now because you've got, you know, obviously these are world world powers, you know. I mean, you've got down to the final eight, Croatia plays Brazil, uh, Netherlands that took out the United States. 
Um, and all these, you know, again, if you follow the game at all in some of these bigger leagues, you're seeing all the stars, you know, among all playing for their countries, you know, Netherlands and Argentina. I mean, a lot of these could be like could be like good finals. Right. You got France playing against England, which, you know, before the tournament again, I mean, you don't know what exactly how it's going to shake out or what the you know, what the bracket is. Or maybe you do know what the bracket is. But uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, those are some great. And in Portugal, obviously, they're, they're playing the Cinderella Morocco. So um, you got to believe Portugal advances there. England, France, England tends to like really shrink in these big games. You know, our guy, I mean, we really followed him during during the Euros. And I think I think it was during the Euros Mbappe for for France. I mean, he just tilts the field. He's a he's a one of one type dude. Uh, he just, and I think at the time I was kind of comparing him to Tyree Kill just because his speed is just different than everybody else. I mean, you can time them, you can run 40s or whatever, but just certain guys, it just seems like whether they have the ball or going after the ball, in this case, Mbappe trying to like, you know, chase down, you know, passes that are being, you know, volleyed up, you know, from midfield. And he's like catching it at the 35 yard line. Basically, nobody gets there as quickly as he does. So he's an exciting player. So, yeah, I'm going to keep my eye on this. It's going to be great quarterfinals and then semis and the whole thing. So we're here for it, man. Internationally football. OK, here we go. So, all right. NFL, not for long quarterbacks in the news of course baker's out in carolina in in la uh jimmy g again i mean this dude just it, it under i guess the definition in the dictionary perseverance is going to be jimmy g right i mean just all sorts of scrutiny on and now he gets hurt seemingly just it, just a, a very unlikely situation that he was in the, where he was and leading this team. They're getting healthy. The d- number one defense in the league, everything's rolling. Bang goes down with the injury. So now we're hearing he may be back, but seven to eight weeks. So you're looking, you know, Brock Purdy's going to have to take them well into the playoffs. Niners fan. Come on, Alex. So, you know, what, what are you feeling? What are you thinking? What's, what, what's your reaction to Jimmy G? I like Purdy uh, when he was taken as, as Mr. Irrelevant by the 49ers. I told you then that I felt like he was going to stick as a backup quarterback here. really confident in him operating the Kyle Shanahan system, and he did well. I mean, he managed well. He was efficient saying that he's going to be able to put up those type of numbers and be as efficient every week. But I do this coaching staff is going to put him in the best position possible to succeed. And they're going to rely on the running game, rely on bubble screens. They're going to rely on, on receivers getting yards after the catch. So, th- so they're, so they're going to do what they normally do. I mean, they're not, again, I mean, this is, you could have plugged in Jimmy G in that statement and it would be exactly the same, right? That's exactly what happened. I just, like I said, they know how to prepare these quarterbacks. They're prepared. They know where to go with the football. They're not going to do anything crazy. I've seen a bunch of other backs that are less than stellar, a lot worse than Jimmy G, do really well in, in Kyle Shanahan's C4. So I'm not surprised. Does this 
put a damper in 49ers chances in the playoffs? Absolutely. Because Jimmy G has been there before. Brock Purdy hasn't. I'm fully confident that we'll be one of the top three seeds. But when it comes to the playoffs, it's a different animal. It's a different game. You need a quarterback to make plays in the fourth quarter. And unfortunately, we, we don't have that. With Jimmy G or with Brock Purdy. It's unfortunate. Again, like getting this injury. Like the 49ers are always... Always, like the last three years or first, they've been cursed with injuries. Whether it's on the defensive end, whether back, it's just a continuing problem that you see over and over and over again. Can we expect Jimmy G to come back to the 49ers from Super Bowl time? I mean, that, that's a lot to ask of Brock Purdy, who's still a rookie quarterback and has only played in one game. He hasn't even started a game. But I am confident that they'll shout the regular the regular seasons. I just think they'll they'll have trouble in the playoffs and w- when they meet up, you know, against some of these powerhouses. And again, when you need a quarterback to make the plays, and they just they don't have that guy. Right. right. Well, that's when the bullets come faster. That's when you know the the games are a little bit bigger. So let's see. You know, now I guess fortunately, uh, Brock Purdy has some time to kind of get acclimated. And like you said, I mean. In this offense, the quarterback is never going to be the superstar. Basically, you're, they ask him to make three or four really big plays during the course of a game, but everything else is about, like you said, the controlled passing game, and they're going to run the ball. So no matter who's in a quarterback, the key is is not to turn it over, right, and just to make two or uh, three or four big plays on third down to keep the sticks moving and everything else. Uh, Brock Purdy, I guess what you can say about him is that he was a four-year starter in college. I mean, he's played a lot of football. This is like the antithesis of uh, the rookie they traded for, <laughs> the rookie they traded for, right, and and moved all those draft picks. You know, Trey Lance had barely played college football. Now, Again, it was an injury, and that's a whole other thing. Is where there, it just seems like there's several teams that it's every year guys get injured, and yeah, I mean there's some luck to it and and so forth. But if it keeps happening over and over, you gotta wonder about the training regimen or, or what something else has got to be a play because you can point to you know teams like the Ravens, the Chargers. I mean, it, and there's probably some others too that I'm missing, but it just seems like it's a prevalent thing. But, you know, Nick Mullins has been able to win in this offense. C.J. Beathard. Now, again, not big and for very short periods of time. But like you said, going back to Atlanta, to Cleveland, to Houston, to the the then Redskins, they've always been able to, to get quarterbacks to be, you know, again, be very smart, efficient, and so forth. So I agree with you. Regular season, I'm not worried. But, again, once they get in the playoffs, then, okay, the, these, these are the big boys. These are the real teams playing real well. Can we hang with them if we get behind is Brock going to be able to bring us back? And I'm here for it. It's great theater right now. You know that I, I really like this 49ers team, so let's let's see where this goes. Uh, Baker Mayfield. <laughs> this is this has got to be what I mean. We talk about you know what what you have on your bingo card. If you had 
Baker Mayfield at the beginning of the season somehow ending up with the Los Angeles Rams and then potentially playing for the Los Angeles Rams, you, you win. Yeah, I mean, that that's it. Uh, just the most unlikely thing going on here. Uh, but the Rams are desperate. Uh, their backup is hurt. Their starter is hurt. Uh, you know, they, Perkins is still there, but he's a very raw player. This is this is interesting. You know, Baker in L.A., uh, there's a story out there going around that uh, leading up to the combine, he was training in L.A., and uh, he and Sean McVay are on the same plane going to Indianapolis, and they spent a, a lot of time together. Now, at the time, they had Jared Goff, and he, but he was very high. It was thought very highly of him. So I don't know. This this could be this could get really weird. I was hoping for for a Hollywood ending this season. I mean, I had high hopes for the Panthers. Uh, Baker Mayfield was gonna bounce back and have a good season little did you know it was going to be our guy sam darnold doing it (laughs) and obviously baker mayfield gets his hollywood ending i think he's getting it right now i think he's going to play for the rams and then he's going to ride off into the sunset and and do commercials and maybe go into act i mean that's what you wanted him to do right that's what you said you probably do really good at it i don't know know that i want him to do it but he just seems to be really good good at he's very natural you know he's and again i think he's that uh, that as a guy i think m- most like the like the panthers everything you hear about him coming out of there is like, he's a really good dude he just isn't that good of a quarterback now he's decent and maybe again and we can maybe say the same thing because it's a it it, it is uh, the same, not the same system. It is a similar offense. It's McVay's spin of the Shanahan deal. So maybe, you know, within that, you know, he wanted more downfield stuff. So they went out and got Stafford. But maybe if he kind of scales it back and this is kind of like a tryout during the regular season because their season is lost, right? Now, I don't know that Baker's going to play Thursday night against the Raiders, but I think moving forward, they're going to get him in there and they're going to see what they have. It's costing them a million bucks. Uh, you don't know what the deal is. Stafford's gone through some pretty rough injuries over the course of his career. Is he going to be okay to play next year? So, eh, eh, you know, it's a good gamble. Like I said, about a million dollars, the rest of his salary this year, he becomes a free agent. But at least you get to see, hey, what do we have in our system, in our culture is can we do this? Now, again, it's going to be up to Baker now that, okay, he was in Cleveland. He was in Charlotte. Those are pretty you know, tame markets, if you would. Now he's in L.A. Wow. How is he going to handle that? But, uh, I, you know, as far as the Rams are concerned, I think it's a calculated risk. But I think it's one that really there's no real downside here. So you're putting a positive spin on this. So you're saying maybe this could actually work between McVeigh and, and maybe. Well, I think the elements exist. It's all on Baker. Okay, I mean, the the elements are there because, again, the culture is going to be better than the other two situations he was in. But again, that's kind of questionable, too. Yeah, they're coming off the Super Bowl, but 
they lost so much leadership in that locker room. And then the like the injuries, Stafford's, you know, obviously, you know, much, much closer to the end than he is the beginning. So, again, it's all on Baker. If he has it in him to be able to play, which I still doubt, I, and I, I don't know that that it's at this stage of the game, you know, can can he be revived? You know, you we're looking at this and he's. Um, I think I heard somebody say that he is the the fastest oh, number one overall pick to get to his third team ever. And, you know, immediately when it was brought up, I always, you know, whenever we, these come up, and I think you've asked me before, is have we ever seen a guy, you know, kind of recl- – the first one I think of is, is always Jim Plunkett. First overall back in 1971, Heisman winner goes to New England. The Patriots were awful then, and he was just beat up, right? Uh, he kind of gets cast off. He gets traded to San Francisco, and it's just horrible. Now, he's from Northern California. You thought, hey, he's going home, you know, whatever. That didn't work out. He goes to the Raiders, and, you know, through some injuries, he gets forced into playing. Doesn't start off very good, but lo and behold, over the next couple three years they win two Super Bowls so can it happen yeah I guess uh Carson Palmer was another one on his third team probably you know had a lot of saying had had some decent success with the Cardinals when he finally got to his third team but uh yeah it's it's not unprecedented but I'm not going to hold my breath either well, I mean, he was having his worst statistical season at this oh, point. Geez. He's one and five yeah. as the starter. He's hit career lows in every major statistical glory. So it's not a surprise they released him, even though he asked yeah. for it, right? I think Baker asked yeah, for this Yeah, because when he wasn't, he wasn't going to be the starter or even the backup, right? I mean, they were. He was just basically going to be the emergency guy. So yeah, and yeah, so this. This is it, man. I think really this is it. If he if he somehow flames out here, it's going to be really hard pressed for anybody to pony up any kind of money for him in free agency. He's going to do all right. I mean, he can try <laughs> his hand there and and become an actor. I think that's and... that's where it ends up for him. Either at Fox Sports because it seems like all the like that's kind of where where it's trending is the younger guys uh in sports media whatever that hey you know things espn is run a certain way that you know once your time is up there fox sports is the place so uh whether it's and i think it would be better he would do better in college football as as whether it's in the studio doing games whatever i think he's just a natural for that I agree. I agree. I think he would be charismatic. I mean, look at Tim Tebow out there. And, you know, I just think that, you know, that's probably the future for Baker Mayfield out there. And if it's not sports, it's not an analyst like in the NFL or college football. Hey, Hollywood, <laughs> there you come, Baker. That's all. I'm pulling. Hey, I mean, Tony, you know, Tony Gonzalez is kind of, you know, he, he's kind of on the outskirts. He's He's been in some movies and doing doing all right with it. So why not? Baker Mayfield. All right. Another weird story. I mean, out of Tennessee, 
I mean, I, again, you always ask me, can you remember a time? I cannot remember a time when a GM gets let go in the middle of a season that's been win- been winning. I mean, since John Robinson has been with the Titans, I mean, he's drafted fairly well. He's had some misses, but, you know, some big hits, obviously, Derrick Henry, Jeffrey Simmons. I mean, there's probably many others. He makes the move to go and get Ryan Tannehill and the team's won divisions. They were the number one seed last year. I mean, so it wouldn't be the resume of a guy that you say, hey. He's on shaky ground. Let's get rid of him. And on top of everything else, they gave him an extension last year. They're going to pay him for the next five years, I think. So that was a – and then just the timing of the whole thing. Obviously, the A.J. Brown thing was – Mike Vrabel was not on board with that. You would go back and look at the, the, the war room, you know, kind of video of after they announced the trade and, and Vrabel just kind of gets stands up and walks away from, from John Robinson shaking his head. I mean, it was so obvious. You don't have to be a body language expert to see what Vrabel was thinking at that time. And then just the timing of the fact that AJ Brown lights him up this weekend. So, there had to be more going on behind the scenes, but that was just weird. I mean, really weird for a franchise that seems to be so kind of like stable. They know who they are, how they play to just, hey, we're pulling the plug. Get This guy's got to go. I, I just thought that was really strange. There's got to be more to this, Lou. I think there has to be a rift between Vrabel and Robinson. I'm not... I'm not putting it out there, but it has to be. And I think the A.J. Brown game, just the fact that he torched the Titans, that's the guy they didn't sign. That's the guy that they traded. Obviously, like you mentioned, Rabel wasn't on board move. I think it's pretty obvious. And the fact that they couldn't keep their star receiver and they haven't replaced him quickly enough, I think those are the things that that kind of did, did him in. I also look at her just in general. Just if you look at the roster right now and the way it's constructed, I think the Titans are in, in that good of shape. I mean, how long can Derrick Brown continue at this pace? I mean, he's already at the end of the road for a running back. And do you expect Ryan Tannehill to kind of take charge roster and, and become the star quarterback? It's not going to That's not gonna happen. And the defense, I, mean, I just think it has a lot to do with the roster. And I think Vrabel is winning in spite of... Right of what Robinson wasn't able to give. So why not cut loose right now and start your search early? I mean, you have to get the candidates, and if you can pinpoint them, you can go after them. You can review them, like, right after the season ends, if the team is then in the play. Yeah, I can't think of the guy's name, but he's in-house. He's kind of the interim right now, and I know he had interviewed for some uh, – uh, GM jobs during the course of the off season. So I don't, I don't you know, it, I don't know that it's like a done deal, but I think they like that guy and maybe he's a little bit more uh, on par or at least on the same page as Vrabel in terms of uh, roster construction, like you were saying, because I think, uh, they've got an easy out coming this year with, with Tannehill. I don't know that he has any guaranteed money left. Uh, they brought in Malik Willis. I don't know if he's the answer, but, you know, they're going to find out. Um, so, yeah, and they, you know, they, they did spend they did spend a lot of money 
uh, on guys like Dupree who had an, in, an injury history and here he is out again. And again, this is one another one of those teams that seems to be like constantly fighting the injury bug. So, uh, yeah, that, that was a, a, just a, a weird situation there. Uh, Lamar again gets gets hurt. Uh, they're saying he's week to week, a knee sprain. Uh, I this is again another just strange situation that just gets stranger. I mean, earlier uh, the week before he had some issues with social media and really going after a fan that maybe called him out and used some profane language and had to come kind of back that up. Um, but anyway, you've got Tyler Huntley that can operate the offense. They haven't. I don't know that they've won a lot of games with Tyler. Tyler's put up some good numbers and has looked like a capable NFL quarterback. But still, you've got this specter of this this contract out there. Now they keep saying Lamar with these illnesses or injuries. And, you know, how credible is it because he's in this contract dispute with the team? Uh, Is the team sold on it? There's all these questions kind of. Over and over all of this, Harbaugh just you know, continues to win some games. Now, again, they they struggled, struggled mightily uh, the last few weeks offensively. You know, against Carolina, they only scored 13 points. They're in a game with a really bad team. I mean, against De- Denver was I kind of dominated that game, but they couldn't score right, so they end up getting a touchdown at the end, and the Ravens win 10 to nine, but. It's just, again, you just look at this team and you think that, God, they're, they're more talented than this. But there's just like this aura around the franchise right now, this whole thing with, with Lamar. I, hard to see where this where this goes. You'd like to believe that they want to bring him back, that they want to pay him. I don't know that they wanted to go fully guaranteed. That was the kind of the hitch point. But then all these little things that are happening during the season, it just kind of, you know, if you're a cynic, you look at it and say, are these really illnesses? Now, the the, the injury, I think, is real. So, I mean, they're not going to put him out there, like force him to play. I mean, because obviously, you know, he's hurt. But seeing him be injured on a regular basis does it like give you any more uh confidence and say yeah we're going to give you a fully guaranteed contract i don't know so uh again a kind of a winning organization but kind of a strange aura right now and almost like they're a, they're at a fork in the road i don't think they are no? um but i think they're cautious i do think they're cautious and you have to be with the running quarterback, you have to be because he's going to decline a lot faster than a pocket passer quarterback, okay? Because he relies so much on his, he relies so much on uh, getting outside of the pocket. You have to, you have to under account when you expect to sign a guy for the next seven, eight years, possibly. I mean, I'm sure the Ravens would want to do a shorter deal. Just the way it's been, it's been happening in the league recently, and you've taken note of it, like in previous shows. But I, it also baffles me for a team that drafts so well on the defensive side of the ball, a team that drafts well on the offensive line, they can't find a competent wide receiver 
for Lamar Jackson. I mean, any quarterback needs weapons. I mean, it's like you almost like you almost feel sorry for some of these quarterbacks. They traded Marquise Brown. They allowed Sammy Watkins to walk, and they made no significant pass catching additions. They thought that kid from Minnesota was going to take that step forward. Well, Rashad Bateman, you know, with an injury, you don't have anybody else. You've got the running game working for you. You've got Lamar running ball. But any quarterback in this league, just look at the way Philadelphia is thriving with Jalen Hurts. They brought him in, A.J. Brown, and they have Devontae Smith as the number two guy. And look at the way Hurts has flourished. The Ravens do the same thing for, for Lamar because that's where I think he's hurting. They haven't had a real patcher in like the last couple of years. And Marquise Brown wasn't a number one guy. He was more of a number two guy, a deep for him. I just that it kind of baffles me a little bit. You have your star player, and then you don't slim enough from an offense skill position, especially you know at the wide receiver. Uh, you know, it just I, I don't know. I'm, I'm perplexed by this decision. By the well, Rangers. the way their their offense runs, I think it's tough to. You really have to take a leap of faith if you're a free agent wide receiver and say, I want to go there because it seems like the number one guy is going to be Andrews. I mean, it's not, I guess it's a lot, not a lot, but somewhat like the, the Chiefs offense, that the number one target is, is going to be Travis Kelsey. So the other wide receivers are either going to be guys that you draft or guys that are kind of kind of a tier below like MVS, like Juju. Now Juju, but look at the way, but look at the way the Chiefs' offense was operating with Tyree Kill oh, no, no, and no, no, Travis no. Kelsey. Absolutely, I'm just saying. If, if the Ravens can get one right, from wide receiver to pair up with the Andrew. Chiefs, obviously their offense is a passing offense. This is a running offense, you know, primarily, and it's you know, and Lamar is going to run it. So the guys that they have brought in just haven't worked so again yeah i mean you, you would think over these last few years they'd have been able to draft somebody and so forth and it actually uh, you know former former guest on our show isaiah likely seemed to be because they were splitting him out a little bit more when he was healthy he was starting to kind of get it and and be able to be kind of a matchup problem out there but again you know injury bug uh, Andrews comes back, so but I was thinking, hey, let's why don't they just make this guy like their slot receiver or make him a, a wide receiver because he's got that kind of juice going downfield. Down so there's a lot of ideas out there. You know, it's Greg Roman's offense. So yeah, that, that that's a tough one. I don't know that you're ever going to again unless you draft a guy, develop him, then maybe he leaves because he's not getting the ball enough. But you would think by now they would have brought because it seems like over the last three or four years, there have been so many wide receivers come into the NFL that immediately hit and they haven't been able to, to get one of those guys. Right. It just doesn't make sense because Lamarckson hasn't proved as a passer the past few years. He's got yeah, yeah, every absolutely. year. And you believe in him. You're willing to give him a big contract. He is your starting back. He is the franchise. So why not surround him with more weapons outside See, again, of Andrews? That's, 
I mean, it's great. I don't want to be like, you know, like a conspiracy theorist or whatever, but the cynical part of me says that are they really? Because you'd think they they would somehow, some way would have come to some contract and say, okay, you're our guy. We'll go, you know, three years fully guaranteed or, or, or something. They would have been able to come up with something. So I don't know if this is because he doesn't have an agent or he's taken, he's taken the negotiations personally and he's like got his feet dug in and say, I want five years fully guaranteed to come hell or high water. Who knows? But it, it just, you would think they're sold on him, but it just everything, all the actions around him lead you to believe that maybe there is in that front office, maybe there is a little pullback that maybe we're not, maybe we're 95% all in or in on Lamar, not a hundred, or maybe we're 90% in, or the owners looking at you, maybe getting involved a little bit more and saying, there's no way in hell we're paying a quarterback that gets hurt like this and that runs like this fully guaranteed for five years or for six years, whatever the heck the Lamar is asking for. So again, I, there's nothing that I know that you don't, or that, or that these insiders are putting out there. It just, my feel of it seems like there's something they're not putting out there and they shouldn't, but you just get the feel that something's not, they're not fully a hundred percent on the situation that something is holding them back and it's kind of affecting the rest of the team. Because if, if Lamar is, you know, not, not quite sure what, what his team feels about him, you know, it, it's going to come through and, and the, the team is going to feel it. And I don't know. I mean, they, they've been injury prone. It seems like as long as I can remember on both sides of the ball. And here we are again. So let's go. The Tyler Ravens, Hunt. the let's Ravens, go Tyler Huntley, the Ravens front, the Ravens franchise has won with Trent Dilfer They've won with Joe Flacco, and I'm talking about Super Bowls. But you and I realize how hard it is to draft a quarterback, how hard it is to find that guy. Look at how many teams have failed so far, and they they just continue to miss over. and So when you find that guy, you want to hang on to him as long as you can for 10, 12, 15 years, okay? Lock him up. And I'm just... Are the Ravens thinking that they're too smart for this? That trade Lamar and they'll find, what, C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young? Or what? What are they thinking? I'm thinking it will be a huge mistake. When you have the guy, it's tough to let him go. Well, the cost to get there is so prohibitive. And because you've got, like, like precedent set, you know, what San Francisco gave up to to move up to get Trey Lance, you know, and you know GMs they talk, they're all hey, you know this is kind of the this is kind of the floor for what we're expecting in a deal. Do, are the Ravens really prepared to do that, or is anybody at this point because of the failure rate? So uh, should be interesting. You can move up, I think, uh, to a degree, but you know any more because again because of these deals that that happened in the past. There's there's press. So uh, we've got three teams that are sitting, I believe, at five wins. And I guess if the if they stay hot, maybe they make a run, maybe make a late run at a playoff spot. We've got the Raiders, 
we've got the Lions, we've got the Steelers, okay? Uh, you know how I feel about about the Lions and just how what an intriguing story, Dan Campbell, the whole thing. But now they're actually winning. So the product on the field is starting to catch up with kind of the culture that he's building. Uh, you didn't think it was going to be this explosive offense that was going to score a ton of points. You thought it would be more, hey, we're going to run the ball, we're going to play defense, whatever. But here they are. Here here we are. The Lions, and the games they lose, they're close. They were toe-to-toe with the Bills. You, some might say that if they're a little bit more aggressive with the ball, they win that game. So here we are. They've got Minnesota this week. Uh, they're at home. They're favored, which, again, is, is a – Again, it doesn't make nobody in the in the locker room is looking at that saying, "Oh, we've arrived." But for us on the outside looking in, hey, they're favored against a first place team in their division that's won ten freaking games. There's a five game difference between they and the Lions, and the Lions are favored, which hey, we'll get to in the pick section. But that just seems like we've arrived. Like, hey. It, Everybody knows that that we are this good. So they've got Minnesota. They they they've got they're at the Jets, uh, at Carolina, Chicago, and Green Bay. Which I mean, now it looks like those are all winnable games. Do they win them all? Probably not. But hey, this this could be a thing going down the stretch here. How about Jared Goff, man? Let's go Bears, Cal Bears. I I told you a couple weeks ago, and you were probably on the other line thinking I'm crazy. I said that the Lions will probably make a run. I mean, I'm, I'm buying into this. Their off is great, okay? They're able to score points. They play in, in a pretty easy division at this point in the NFC. Yeah, who knew? Open. You know, as bad as Green Bay has been, right? Yeah. The defense has gotten better. I mean, the past, the first two months, they were atrocious. But I feel like the the last month of the season, they have gotten better. That's one thing. And then the offensive line is elite, as I'm concerned. If you can protect Jared Goff, if you can give him time to throw, he's going to find those open targets. He's going to find, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown. He's going to find those on the outside. And, And that's what we've seen. Would they be able to stop a guy like Justin Jefferson? Probably not. They weren't able to do it in September when the Vikings came back on them. But I do think that the Lions have revenge on their minds. They had a lead and they let it slip away. So they're at home right now. Stay tuned. I hope this game in the pick segment in my luck of the week. And I'm a believer in the Lions. I'm pulling for them. Think they can make a run? I, I don't think, think you they may, will. I think you may will. have just given away. <laughs> yeah, I think I have. I think I have. But yeah, no, I, am, I am pulling. And there's only one other possibility in, in this scenario. So I'm pretty sure Detroit is the lock of the week. The other team. now the, I am the, pulling for them. I am I, pulling for I them. I don't think they're going to be able to make it to the playoffs. But I do think that they'll they'll be able to win a few more games down the stretch. And I think that will, you know, that will go a long way. To, to next year. Well, that and third wild that team... third third wild card spot is wide open. So yeah, and especially now you got the Giants and the Commanders that have that played to a tie. So that's going to kind of muddle things up. You don't know what's going to happen with with Seattle. 
Uh, I don't think anybody from the NFC South has a chance outside of the division winner. So, yeah, well, I'm pulling. Absolutely. Great story. Loved them in the summer. Again, just the the culture and just everything, the characters on the team, just the what they just everything about them was screaming like, God, we got to pull for these guys. But the talent, it didn't seem like was quite meshing at some point this year, about the middle of the year, things really started to click. They're scoring points. And you're like, wow, Amon Ross St. Brown is a, is a real dude. He's a real number one receiver in this league. Jared Goff is having the best year of his career, I believe. So, yeah. Now, the Raiders have quietly come on. And Devontae Adams is – this might be – this is statistically, this could end up being his best season ever. And in some way, it's been kind of under the radar and quiet. Now, you know how I feel about Devontae Adams. I've always, you know, for the last few years, had him as my number one receiver in the league. And I still love him. Got him on my fantasy team. And thank God I I took him where I did. But the point is, is that he's having a huge season. And But again, it's a little bit under the radar because they've been losing so much. Josh Jacobs, I mean, for somebody that they they didn't want to, you know, give him his fifth-year option, that chip on his shoulder is real, and he's having, again, the best season of his career. And I, I think he's either at the top or pretty close to the top of leading the league in rushing. I, and I'm pretty sure he is at the top. So things are starting to click. Chandler Jones, hopefully, you know, he's waking up a little bit. Max Crosby is just Max Crosby. I mean, the dude's a beast. He's had a, a great year. The schedule kind of, I mean, the last two games they've got, now it's, they're at home, it's San Francisco and then the Chiefs, which both teams are probably still going to be fighting for playoff seeding at that point. I don't know you're going to get a, a break uh, for e- from either of those teams. I mean, obviously, you know, if Brock Purdy's the quarterback, it's not like they're going to be resting him if they've locked their playoff spot. And the Chiefs are going tooth and nail to the end for that number one seed. Uh, you know, especially if Buffalo loses a game coming up. But, uh, yeah, the Raiders, they've got the Rams this week, which, you know, should be a win. Then they've got the Patriots at home, and then they're at the Steelers. All They have to win those three to even have a shot because, again, they're hope, hoping you would split the last two, finish four and one, and then let the chips fall where they may. But, uh, yeah, I think they're starting to get it offensively obviously for Josh McDaniels the defense is playing a a little bit better uh the competition hasn't been the greatest over the last few games but maybe they can make a run I don't know I I think the Lions have a better chance than the Raiders for sure well they've won three straight games but they play in the AFC I think there are a lot of teams vying for that playoff spot right much tougher road like sitting there Right. It's a much tougher road. This isn't about how you can compete and make the playoffs out of the AFC. Competing against some other teams, right? Like the Bengals, the Dolphins. I mean, how are you? The Patriots. I, I just think it's a tougher the Ravens, road for them. I mean, hell, and the I think Jets, it's, you know. It's a little too late as far as I'm concerned for the Raiders. It's a nice story. Um, you know, Josh McDaniels is he's trying to season. The players are buying in and offensively they're great with Derek Carr and Devontae Adams and now they've got you know Darren Waller back and you know some other weapons out there um, so 
I think there is help on the horizon out there. I just think it's going to be it's going to be tough for the Raiders in the AFC. Yeah, and I would say I would same comments about the Steelers, right? I mean, yeah, they've they've won a few games here in a row. Uh, they've got the Ravens a couple of times. They've got uh, they finished with the Browns. Uh, at Carolina, they play Las Vegas. We talked about that. I think it's the, uh, I think that's on like Christmas night, maybe. Um, yeah, it's the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. Franco Harris off the batted pass in the playoffs against the Raiders to win the game. So, anyway, for those historians out there, or junkies like me that you know can kind of look back on that when I was a kid, thinking, "My God, this is this is nuts." But anyway, uh, before we get to the picks, real quick, pro story, college story. Uh, Coach Prime goes from Jackson State to Colorado. Uh, Pac-12 team, soon to be Pac-10 team, if you would, with USC and UCLA leaving, potentially more teams leaving. Uh, It is, uh, again, stepping up to Power 5, but that allure of playing for Coach Prime, uh, you know that the coaching staff is going to be a bunch of guys that can help you, you know, get to the pros. The facilities are there. I think the money is going to start rolling in like it never has before at, uh, at Colorado. Uh, I just see this as I don't know if they they're a winning team the first year. Wouldn't put it past them. I mean, you saw what Lincoln Riley did at USC. Now, a little bit different situation here because it is Boulder versus L.A. But still, he's going to have a lot of pull. This transfer portal is real. I don't know how many kids went into it. Maybe like a thousand uh, on Monday. It officially opened back up. A lot of his Jackson State players are going. Obviously, his sons will be there with him. Shador will be the starting quarterback. I don't think there's any question about that. But uh, I'm all for it. You know, I mean, you say what you will about about Dion, but he's going to go in there. He's going to clean house. He's going to get his guys. And I think it's going to be must-see TV in, uh, in the Pac-12 next year. Well, he's going to score big in recruiting, whether it's through the transfer portal, like I said, or whether it's with incoming freshmen. People are going to deal it. If he was able to score big-time talent at Jackson State, if he was able to sway the best player in the country to come and play at Jackson State instead of Florida State, I mean, that tells you something. With the reasons, I think with the money coming to Colorado, he's going to be able to energize that program. I'm not saying that he wins in year one because – Lincoln Riley had better talent uh, coming to USC. Colorado needs to fresh. I mean, they need to bring in, like, they need to change their entire roster. And it's going to take a couple of years. Who like the hire? He, he's, brought in, he's bringing in Kent State head coach Sean Lewis. And he was really successful at Kent State as a coach for five seasons. He's coming over with Dion, and he's going to be his offensive coordinator. I love that something that he runs. You know, they run a lot of plays. It's kind of a hurry-up offense. And he's been successful at that Mac school. I can't state re-energize that program. And I think that's one of the biggest hires that, that Dion was able to bring over. I'm excited for that. Plus, like you said, UCLA and USC are going to So the Pac-12 or the Pac-10 is for the taking. And Colorado could once again rise to 
like they did, you know, in the early 1990s. Remember, a lot of the folks that listen to this podcast don't remember, but the Buffaloes were huge back then. And with Cordell Stewart, the Immaculate Reception, uh, the Catch, you know, the Hail Mary. I think Colorado yeah. is going to be back at the soon, and, and Dion is going to bring it back to them. I just, this is a fantastic hire. I'm surprised some big schools didn't make this move, that it was the Colorado Buffs that, that decided. Oh. Well, I think maybe, you know, the, I, I know he probably had some, some other teams. I think Cincinnati was in the mix. I think USF was in the mix i don't know if auburn ever was maybe they were always looking you know for somebody that had some sec blood and maybe that was just a little too radical for i don't know the boosters or or whomever at at auburn but uh yeah this is a i think to me it's a perfect place for him because like you said when they were having all that success i mean you go back i mean even back further like eric Bieniemy as the running back rashawn salon won a Heisman Trophy at Colorado. They won a national championship. Charles Johnson, Darian Hagan, Michael Michael Westbrook, the wide receiver that was at the other end of that Cordell Stewart uh, bomb in the big house at Michigan. One of the, I mean, one of the more iconic plays ever in college football. Uh, so for some of you younger folks, go ahead and Google that. Uh, Cordell Stewart at the big house. But uh, anyway, yeah, I just, I just think this is a home run. Dion is going to be himself. He was in his press conferences, in his meeting with the team. Now, again, you know, they're they're filming it for social media. I think his oldest son is in charge of their social media, so they're, like, recording everything. Uh, he did make some pretty outlandish statements to the kids that were there, pretty much uh, egging them on to jump in the portal because <laughs> our quarterback is here this place here we got a bunch of bunch of positions are already spoken for i'm sure travis hunter is going to go there and play uh a corner wide receiver whatever the hell they need him to do uh shiloh is going to be there playing uh you know, either corner or safety or both who uh who knows but i, I this is just going to be very cool and it's it's good i think it's a really good thing for college football all right picks last week Three and one again. Uh, I, you know, this isn't unprecedented, but uh, yeah, the only loser, I guess, was the the Commanders, and that was a that was probably a mistake on my point because again, I my rules, if you would, home dogs, especially in, intra divisional home dogs. Sure, it turned out that way. Yeah, Washington could have won, sure, but the Giants should have won that game too. So anyway. Let's go. Alex, what was your lock last week? My lock of the week was was the lock, wasn't it? Uh, the Lions, uh, uh, right? Gotta, it was I'm looking the back at my uh, notes. It the, might have been. Go on. Talk about this week's lock. Is it the Lions again? Yeah, it is the Lions again. I let the cat out of the bag. I'm, I'm not going to hide it any longer. They are favorites this week, minus two and a half against the Vikings. No, I think that, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm looking them. at the notes now. I think it, it was the Chargers because you went against me. I had the Raiders. The Chargers minus one and a half against the Raiders. Sorry, I'm not, but uh, full disclosure here. We... <laughs> you ru- you ruined my party. All right, yeah. Maybe last it was week, two weeks ago. Last yeah, week I didn't. Last week, I didn't get the lock of the week. Uh, the Chargers lost Raiders. They didn't cover. They disappointed me. And once again, it was just, you know, again, you know, I, they told me to stay away from Chargers, and I, I keep picking them. I keep 
you know, hoping that a different team will show up, but they certainly didn't. I'm taking the lines this week, Lou. A minus two and a half against the Vikings. I think I let the cat out of the bag earlier in the show. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going with Detroit uh, to just make a run at the playoffs. They're going to be two Vikings team. I think the Vikings are susceptible in the passing game. I think they're going to give up a lot of big plays to the Lions. And I think, you know, I think Goff outplays Kirk. And, uh, yeah, that, that's my winner. That's my lock. All right. Well, I would had Detroit in there, but I'm going to switch just so we don't, we're not double dipping here. I do like Detroit in that game as well. Okay, so let's go with the other games. Division 2, I'm – Two NFC, or I'm sorry, AFC North games. Baltimore is at Pittsburgh. Okay, you've got Tyler Huntley in there. They've shown that he's able to operate that offense. I mean, obviously not to the level of Lamar, but, but you know, good enough. The Steelers are coming coming off of some wins against some, you know, lowly teams. The Colts, uh, the Falcons have been, like, on the cusp of being halfway decent all year. But they, you know, again, they get in these games. And they just can't finish. So I'm not so impressed with that. That defense playing against a rookie quarterback, it's going to be a low-scoring game. It's going to be close, but I'm going to take the Ravens plus three at Pittsburgh. All right, Cincinnati, we didn't talk about this, and thank God we didn't because I was just – it really made me sick. But anyway, I mean, the, the Bengals deserve to win that game. Burrow played his butt off, and, you know, they did what they did. Emotional game, a lot of trash talking during the course of the week the t among the teams the Bengals I think trying to show that hey we can play with these big boys we've beaten them twice last year we'll beat them against this year Burrow right now all of a sudden is the kryptonite for for Patrick Mahomes well I tell you what if he has a kryptonite it seems to be the Cleveland Browns he's 0-4 against them they looked horrible last week Deshaun Watson all the rust in the world I don't know that they scored an offensive touchdown but i tell you what i am taking the browns plus six and a half at cincinnati dumb pick stupid it looks ridiculous but i'm going with the fighting watsons plus six and a half now let's go to the west coast san francisco you know i love the 49ers i love betting on the 49ers looking at this game they're playing against brady uh a few weeks back they had a comeback win against the Rams, and everybody's, oh, yeah, well, they got things figured out. Then they didn't have things figured out. They go to Germany. Oh, it was all, like, euphoric We're against Seattle, whatever. The other night, improbable. I think that was more of a New Orleans loss than it was a Tampa Bay win. They kind of spit the bit at the end. Uh, Ingram makes a, a gaffe, not getting a first, not stepping out right in front of the sticks. He was injured, but he could have fallen forward, at least fall down inbounds to keep the clock running. Anyway, I'm going with the fighting Purdy's. I like Brock Purdy. I love the San Francisco defense and the way they play. Give me San Francisco minus three and a half to beat Brady. Again, overvalue on Tampa Bay right now, undervalued on San Francisco because of the quarterback. And then finally, you talked about the Chargers. I hate doing this, but I just feel like I have to. The Chargers are getting three at home from Miami. Miami back on the West Coast. Again, trying to show everybody, prove to everybody that they're as, they're as good as their clip 
things as good as these early season wins Tua versus herbert you know that that whole thing well, well miami should we have taken herbert should we take, i think herbert comes to the four here and gets it done i'm going to take the chargers plus three there's your no don't your, take the charge yes i am there there's your four there's your four four alex Chargers, here we go, baby. I'm telling you, Austin Eckler is going to have a huge game. Keenan Allen's going to come to the fore. Uh, the de- defense is going to play fairly well. Again, it's probably going to be a high-scoring game. Give me Herbert over Tua. The one thing that I learned this season is that don't take the Chargers. And I've made this three times in my lock of the week. They haven't come through for me. I hope well for you. How do, how do you think? I mean, the 49ers, the Bucks. is that going to be like a 6-3 to three game? Is that what we're expecting? No, here? I'm thinking. Uh, what is that? The I'm 49ers. thinking like 17-7, to 17-10, seven, to 10, something like that. I don't, I you know, as, as much as Tampa Bay has struggled offensively, and it's hard to put your finger on it, but more so it's the offensive line. And... They've struggled running the ball. I just don't see them being able to score many, if any, points against the pass rush, against the, those linebackers. Uh, it's just I, I'm just not feeling Tampa Bay. I mean, every again, the overvalued part of it is, well, it's Brady. Oh, he's going home. He's going to show San Francisco, you know, how good he is, so that next year they can plug him in at quarterback and they ride off and, and win his Super Bowl in, in his last year. I don't. I don't know, but uh, I just I just have a feeling they're just going to, again, pull out the can of whoop ass and Tampa Bay is going to go home with their tail between their legs. It's ballsy taking the Browns, you know, plus six. Oh, and it's a half, ridiculous. It's, the, it's it's beyond stupid, but it just I considering that the Bengals considering that the Bengals are like one of the hottest teams right now, if not the hottest team, and they just beat the best team. Well, one of the best teams of very, football. It's either them or Blow. Very, I think a very emotional win. Uh, yes, it is a division game, and they should be up for it. But just human nature tells you that they're going to kind of come back to the pack a little bit. And Burroughs had, for one reason or another, and I think it's because the Browns commit to running the ball, and Nick Chubb just just really has huge games against them. Kareem Hunt, if they give him the carries, you can see he's going to produce. So hopefully, you know, that's the way that they go, and that's the way that the Browns have to win that, even though Deshaun Watson is back. Maybe, again, he got a a decent amount of the rust out last week. Uh, He's still going to be rusty. It's still, you know, it's still almost like he's a rookie again things happening you know 200 miles an hour in the field but you know hopefully this week it slows down a little bit and uh yeah it's just a it's just a matchup thing when it comes right down to it and that's what the thing is with the chiefs is that just the the matchup is just a little weird between the two teams right now and uh cincinnati made the plays down the stretch and the chiefs didn't they had the lead you know, Kelsey makes, you know, you ne- he rarely do you see him fumble. I mean, it, it's just so bizarre that, that it even happened. And, uh, yeah, they weren't able to close. So here we go. Well, hope hopefully you'll be able to continue and uh, continue to get these picks 62% right so roll. far on the season. So I'm feeling pretty good about that. Uh, not feeling great about these picks because I'm, like, out on a limb here. But I don't – this – 
I gotta stick with I gotta stick with my uh, my tenants. I got to stick stick with my principles, and this is where it's taken me this week. Well, I'm I'm going to Vegas, and I'm I'm taking loose picks, and I'm gonna down on there. All right, man, that is gonna do it for us this week. Have a great week, folks. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, and uh, until next week. Ooh.